On today's episode of Locked On Canucks, a certain Russian who has Vancouver on his shortlist is very intriguing and in how that plays out with Bruce Brudeau's contract situation and what to do with Brock Besser if this Russian does pick Vancouver. And certain former Canucks players are building quite a storm on social media during their postseason performance. And it's another day and another segment of the Greatest Canucks series featuring my personal favorite Canuck of all time. It's Locked On Canucks, and it starts now. Your Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today, Wednesday, May the 11th episode of Locked on Canucks. I'm, of course, your host, excuse me, your host for all you YouTube viewers out there who's missed that up, uh, your host, Justin Pooney. You can, of course, follow me at underscore process sports on Twitter. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Locked on Canucks, the show that keeps you locked on to all things Vancouver Canucks. And I also want to say thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. We are free, which is always the most important thing, and available wherever you get your podcast services. On today's show, as I just kind of teased, we're going to talk about Russian KHL star and second leading scorer, Andre. Andre Kuzmenko, excuse me. Let's try this. Andre Kuzmenko and how the Canucks are on the short list to acquire the 26-year-old Russians' services and how Bruce Boudreaux plays a factor into that. How I believe Brock Besser is a major role in this and how another Russian could help out Vasily Podkolzin and help his development. So let's just jump right into this segment so 26 year old russian winger andre kuzmenko i hope i'm pronouncing that right i'm probably not but i hope i am the 26 year old uh, kuzmenko scored 20 goals and 33 assists in for 53 points in just 45 games for ska st petersburg his agent dan milstein is also the same agent for russian belarusian prospect Daniel Klimovich, who, of course, the Canucks took in the draft last year. He said they were in the short. The Canucks are on the short list along the lines of Edmonton and Vegas. Now, here's the thing. Kuzmenko can only sign a one-year deal with a max $925,000. So you're not going to lock him into a long term. But this is the key for me. Wherever, Whichever team gets him, whether it's Vegas, Edmonton, hopefully the Canucks, you're going to get a highly motivated player who's going to want to earn another contract, a longer-term contract, a more lucrative deal. So you're going to get that financial aspect on top of a player who's coming from the KHL to prove to the world that he can play in the NHL, the world's greatest hockey league. That is going to be integrally important. Another important factor in this story is this. The head coach. I touched on it a couple of days ago when I talked about Bruce Boudreaux. But all reports indicate that Bruce Boudreaux was heavily involved in the recruiting process of this player. That, to me, 
must indicate that Boudreaux, because when you think about these recruiting meetings and these recruitment meetings and what transpires behind closed doors, if the coach is involved, it obviously has to do with how he fits within the coach's structure, how he slots to play him, how he, you know, expects to play. Um, if Boudreaux is that heavily involved in these negotiations and in these recruitment meetings, you have to think if he's going to pick Vancouver, he's going to have to, Boudreaux is going to have to already given some indication that, yes, I'm going to come back. Right? And maybe the Canucks know that. Maybe the Canucks know that Boudreaux is going to opt in and, you know, they're going to get Kuzmenko or try to get Kuzmenko and, you know, the Canucks will be on their way. But it is also a risk too. The risk aspect, risk aspect of it is this. As we saw tonight in hockey, the Washington Capitals fell 3-2 in a series and their coaching job could pop up again. Now, I don't think Brudro will go back because I don't think Ted Linosis is going to re-sign Bruce Brudro and bring him back. He's going to play under Alex Ovechkin and they're going to get the band back together, so to say, in Washington. So I don't know about that, but you know, Winnipeg's still out there. As I mentioned, Philadelphia still out there. Looks like Elaine Vino might be going to Winnipeg. So there are openings there, and there is that sense that we don't know. Potentially, hopefully, the Leafs collapse and lose in the first round once again, and that job could become open as well. So what I'm trying to get at is you have a Russian player or you have a prized asset that you want to bring in, you want to recruit him to your team. I think if he picks Vancouver, you're going to have to have Brujo a part of the whole ordeal, right? Now, the next aspect of it is this. How does this work in with Brock Besser and his situation? Obviously, if you bring a player from this stature who you know, was second in scored in the KHL, he's obviously going to expect to be on the power play, top six, and all of that. And the Canucks have a conundrum with Brock Besser. Now, the way I see it shaking down with Besser is I think Besser's gone regardless of whether... You know, he, you know, if they sign Kuzmenko or they don't, um, I, I still believe Besser's time is done because simply because of the contract situation, this way this cap is, you know, broken down. They play the same position. They're both right wingers. And if you can get a guy who, you know, is around the same age and for a whole lot cheaper in the short term, and then you can negotiate a deal afterwards, um, I think you take that because now with Besser, you're most likely you're. I don't think you're going to sign him to a four or five year deal. You're probably going to sign him to a shorter term deal with a lower cap hit now. And plus, his qualifying offer, as we all know, is over seven schmil. So the way I see it is, I see if the Canucks can get Kuzmenko, I think that automatically spells the end of Brock Besser's time in Vancouver because he plays the same position relatively the same age and he's a lot cheaper on a one-year basis though but i think if the canucks can get the production out of him on a longer term basis and um you know that works out then i think besser's time is done for sure now if kuzmenko decides to go to vegas which let's face it vegas is always in cap crunch i don't know if they have the wherewithal i think they need vegas needs to think two steps ahead and realize okay this guy pops off. We're going to have to pay him a boatload of money again, more money that we don't have. But then again, I have to say Vegas, 
the one thing I love and respect about Vegas the entire time they've been in the league is they've been aggressive. And I love teams that are aggressive, that go for it and go to win it all. And they did. You know, they got Eichel and they got hit with hard with injuries. If they didn't get hard with injuries this year, I think they would have been in the playoffs and they'd be, you know, probably first place over Calgary. So the way this shakes down is... And then you got Edmonton, and Edmonton, who knows what they're going to do. I mean, they're down 3-2 to a much, a far, far less talented team in L.A., and why would you want to be a part of that mess? So the Canucks have a couple things going for them. The first, so it's actually kind of surprising. They have a strong front office. They have a young, good nucleus that is appealing. And if I'm Andre Kuzmenko, why, uh, why wouldn't I want to join a young core that's relatively around the same age. Why wouldn't I want to, you know, play in the same team as a guy who's represented by the same agent? There's already a young Russian on the team in Vasily Podkols. And why wouldn't you want to join that and be a part of that rather than going into a Vegas where who knows what the cap structure is going to be like, who knows what their next move is or Edmonton where Edmonton is kind of just a hot mess behind dry saddle McDavid. And who knows how long that's going to last. You saw what McDavid said, after the game last night where he kind of threw the goaltending under the bus, defense under the bus, he is not very happy. So I think the Canucks, you know, if we're looking at the pole positioning of the three teams for Kuzmenko, I think the Canucks have the number one pole position. Now, again, would you rather live in Vegas, Vancouver, Edmonton? I mean, if it's me, I'm taking Vancouver because I think Vegas is just too busy. And Edmonton, we all know, is probably the worst city next to Winnipeg in North America to live in, I think. Uh, maybe St. Paul, Minnesota up there, something like that. But, um, yeah, I think Vancouver is a top eight destination to live in. I'm not saying that just because I live there, but, yes, because I live there. But also, it's a beautiful city. Um, so I think all the boxes tick towards Vancouver that he would pick Vancouver. But we have to wait and see for that. So that is all about Andre Kuzmenko and how it kind of fits into – a, if he signs, that means that uh, Bruce Boudreaux is coming back. If he signs, that means it's most like the end of Brock Besser's tenure in Vancouver, which I already thought was over anyway. And see, again, if you look at it, the Canucks kind of have some good stuff going for them because kind of attractive. They're not as bad as Edmonton potentially could be. They're not as bad as position as Vegas, and they have strong leadership up top. So the Canucks have some good things going for them. But also quickly, I just want to touch on what's going on in the playoffs right now. Um, and former Canucks doing very nice things. Troy Setcher scored last night for LA. Alexander Edler's a part of LA. Chris Tanev and Jacob Markstrom, we touched on, are all a part of Calgary. Um, Tro- Troy Setcher, again, scoring. And you look on Twitter trending in Vancouver. Troy from Richmond is trending, which I think is absolutely awesome. It's a testament to how loyal Canucks fans are to not only British Columbians, but former Canucks who, you know, played the right way, played hard and represented that Canucks culture. So well. I've been talking about my greatest Canucks series, about guys who, you know, really embodied being a part of the Canucks culture, Canucks nation, being a part of the province. Now, Troy Setcher is from Richmond. So he's grown up in that culture. He was a hometown kid playing for the Canucks. You knew he was going to get extra fanfare, but he played the right way. He always played hard. I He was never the most talented, the most physical, but the one thing I always say about Troy Setcher is this, he always played hard, and I could never get mad at Troy Stetcher um, in a sense that I always knew he gave it his all because he was playing for his hometown team. And it was just so nice to see people wishing Troy Stetcher well. Now, again, I don't want to I picked Edmonton to win this round. 
and I hopefully they come back just for my own peace of mind and my own sake. But um, Troy Stetcher has been an amazing, amazing story so far in the playoffs. But coming up after the break, we are going to talk about my favorite Canucks player of all time, the guy who really kind of helped me get into hockey and who basically, you know, was the integral piece and probably one of the most lopsided trades in NHL history. He was the captain and he was the leader of a team. He sorry, he arrived in Vancouver in the darkest, one of the darkest points of franchise history and helped lead them out into one of the beginning of the most sustainable, successful period in franchise history. And if you don't know who that is, you're going to find out very soon. So stick around. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions like, is your Audi a TFSI or is it a TDI? When wait while a person behind the counter orders the parts off their computer and then choosing a brand where hopefully they have. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto saves time and money when you use them. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available to you for your car and or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about section so they know we sent you amazing selection live low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com so i teased it pretty much gave it away for all you real canucks fans about who i'm talking to today on our greatest canucks series and that is the former captain number 19 my favorite canuck of all time Marcus Naslin. Yes, Marcus Naslin, the Vancouver Canucks captain, the leader of the West Coast Express team, and quite frankly, my favorite Canuck of all time. So let's start from the beginning of the Marcus Naslin story. Naslin, of course, joined the Canucks in the late 90s in the 1996 season, March 20th, 1996, a very dark time during the Mike Keen years. And the team was basically in shambles. Um, he wanted the number 19, but the Canucks gave him 22 because Tim Hunter was wearing that. In his first nine games, he recorded a hat trick. And, you know, he looked very good. But, you know, the Canucks struggled. He finished, you know, he was not doing that. He was resigned, and he was kind of, you know, fighting back and forth. And he wasn't getting as much playing time. He requested a trade. He was scratched. Um, and... It was very, very tumultuous beginnings for Marcus Naslin. Um, but then things started to turn around. They started to turn around in 1999 when Marcus Naslin eventually took off and exploded. He won his first ever Cyclone Taylor Trophy as the Canucks' most valuable player. He also won the most exciting player of the year. And in that season, 1999, he played 80 games, 36 goals, 30 assists, and 66 points, fully cementing himself as an elite goal scorer in the NHL. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was a string of years where from 99 to 
I guess we can say 2006, Marcus Naslund evolved into one of the premier, and at one point, the premier goal-scoring left winger in an era where goals were hard to come by. So after that year, 99-2000, the next year, Marcus Naslund was named captain of the Vancouver Canucks following Mark Messier, who, of course, we all know failed miserably in his time in Vancouver. Um, and Naslund was the first, um, now, not to diss him too much, but Naslund did cite saying that Messier was his greatest influence playing with him for those first couple of years. But Naslund was named to a second All-Star game that year, um, and he was having a great year, and he broke his leg. And his 41 goals were tied for the league record. Um, and he was on the cusp, the precipice of joining. And it got even better. Excuse me. It got even better after that. After that, following that 99-2000 oh, year, Marcus Naslin again exploded onto the scene. 36, sorry, he's had 27 goals in 2000. And then he hit 41 in 01, 40, 48 in 2002-2003 with 104 points, becoming the second Canuck only behind Pavel Bure to reach the century, par, century mark in points in Canucks history at that point in time. And that is the year he won the Lester B. Pearson Award as NHL's most valuable player as voted on by the players, not the writers, the players. And he was, of course, the spearhead of the greatest line in hockey for that period of time, the West Coast Express, he and Brendan Morrison. In 2002-2003, listen to the stat right here. So Nazan had 48 goals, 104 points. Bertuzzi had 97 points, which was fifth in scoring. Nazan finished second in that year. The, he led the league with 54 power play points, 12 game-winning goals. But here's the crazy thing. The West Coast Express accounted for 45% of the Canucks' 264 goals that season. That is absolutely dominant. That line right there, and this, and the reason I speak so glowingly about this is because this was the time where I was, you know, six, six, seven years old, around this time, six, seven years old, when, you know, 02, 03, 04, when Naslin was in his prime, he was, you know, probably the best goal-scoring winger in hockey. Um, that's when my love for the game and my my fandom for the Canucks really grew. Seeing, you know, seeing Marcus Naslin play on a daily basis, on a nightly basis for your hometown team, a guy who was on the cover of NHL 2005, who had Nike commercials, who was a, a league superstar, played for your hometown team. That was amazing. That to me was so cool. Seeing him on all-star games, seeing him on commercials, like I just mentioned, video game covers, everything like that. I mentioned this story in the first episode. I Was it the first episode? It might have been one of the first couple episodes. But when the Best Buy in Surrey first opened up, by the way, for all you guys who don't know, I was you know born in Vancouver, lived in Richmond for the first couple of years. But from the age of five, was it five? Five? Till you know, I moved to Toronto. I lived in Surrey my entire life. So, born Vancouver, raised in Surrey. Um, it opened up, and my mom waited there in the pissing rain to see Marcus Naslin because she knew how big of a fan I was. And he signed autographs. We were too far in line that he eventually had to leave. 
and it was heartbreaking, but it didn't matter because I still loved Marcus Naslin. NHL 2005 was my favorite game. Um, but Marcus Naslin during that period of time was he had next to Joe Sackick the best wrist shot in the game, and he still used the wood stick the way he was able to whip that wood stick, um, and get that torque on it. It was unbelievable. And I just think Marcus Naslin is so undervalued by Canucks fans because, again, he's not like Linden, Burray, McLean, Smeal, Gradeen, the Sedins, Kessler, Luongo. His team's never made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. His team never went on. Now, they, they did make it to the second round back-to-back years. Uh, that 3 year when he, of course, won the Lester B. Pearson Award, they should have um, they should have made it to the Stanley Cup Finals that year. They were better than Minnesota. They were better than Anaheim, and they didn't do it now if you look at that year oh two um excuse me oh 20 2003 he had 14 points in 14 games five goals nine assists he had the previous the next year in 0304 he had seven points in seven games sorry nine points in seven games and then of course in um after the lockout he had one more 30 goal season and after that you know the age kind of got to him he kind of tailed off he still put up 20 goals pretty much every every year but he wasn't the same marcus naslin but just going back to the playoff point the, the look hockey is a team sport we all know the hockey is a team game and i think you know what you know i'm gonna come back to this because i want to get to this last break this last commercial reading and then i can go finish off on this tangent um before so i want to give myself a good time on that but before we get to that, I just want to talk to you guys about BuiltBar.com. Uh, imagine dipping your finger into a plastic tub of birthday cake frosting and opening your eyes and realizing it was only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein. That's what it's like to eat a birthday cake puff from Built. From Built. That sounds really amazing. I actually just received my birthday cake puffs, and I've never tasted like anything before. They're available right now, and we can't promise they will be there tomorrow trust me i think i might buy every box available because they're so good so get them today at built.com and if you haven't tried the puffs i'll let you in on a little secret because that's what friends do because we're all friends now right <laughs> a chocolate covered marshmallow protein bar yeah you heard me delicious flavored marshmallow covered in 100 real chocolate make every day your birthday with built's dot built's birthday cake puffs built has taken delicious experience of of biting into a fresh slice of birthday cake and enrolled it into a 100% white chocolate with sprinkles. Oh, so good. With 150 calories, 16 grams of protein, only 9 grams of sugar, this time limited time flavor is amazing. If you are looking for health, for a healthy way to get your variety in your day, all Bills are covered 100% real chocolate. And that means with Built, you can eat healthy and enjoy doing it. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order and use promo code, that's once again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, so Marcus Nasland, we all know during the early 2000s, West Coast Express, he was on the most dominant line in hockey. He was the preeminent goal scorer in hockey, you know, 40 goals, almost 50 goals, Lester E. Pearson Award, the list goes on and on. But people continue to slander him in Vancouver. Why? Because he wasn't Trevor Linden. He wasn't Henrik and Daniel Sedin. He wasn't Stan Smeal. He was, but the, you know what he was? He was Marcus Nassim. People forget that late 90s era was one of the darkest eras of Canucks history. Pavel Bure requested a trade. Mike Keenan was the coach. They traded Trevor Linden. 
brought in Mark Messier. They took his retired number from Wayne the Lake, Wayne Mackey, gave it to him. It was just an absolute disaster. Marcus Naslin grows into a player, becomes a 30 plus goal scorer, a 20, sorry, becomes a 20 plus goal scorer, a 30 plus goal scorer, a 40 plus goal scorer, a 100 point man, captain of the team every day, going to the media, talking to the media every single day. Asked, answering question after question after question, post games, losses, wins, heartbreaking playoff defeats, everything. And yet people still wonder, oh, he's not up there as the greatest Canuck. I don't know if he should get his number retired. No. Marcus Naslin is a better was a better player than Trevor Linden. He helped the Sedin. Daniel Henrik Sedin accredited Marcus Naslin so much for being that leader, that mentor they needed when they were struggling as young players and being from Sweden and having the ability to talk to him and learn from him and watch his mannerisms and watch him lead a team. That is why he was so great. His impact off the ice was just as great. He, again, for all the same things as Smeal, Linden, all these guys, he gave back to the community. He was a great, great, great player for the Canucks. But because he didn't make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, now they did blow a 3-1 lead to Minnesota in 0-3, which they should have won. But they didn't. And then the Bertuzzi incident happened, which was spearheaded by Steve Moore cheap-shotting um, Marcus Nazan, which then retaliation with the unfortunate incident in Vancouver in March of 04, which kind of ruined that whole season. And quite frankly, changed Canucks history for sure because that West Coast Express era was pretty much done after that. Um... You have the lockout, and then you came back, and they didn't make the playoffs, and you knew the writing was on the wall that Bertuzzi was not going to be a Canuck anymore after that. And after that, Marcus Nazan came and took a secondary role to Henrik and Daniel Sedin with Roberto Luongo, and he eventually left after the 07-08 season when Mike Gillis came in and they weren't going to extend him. Um, but people need to remember that Marcus Naslin was the driving force of carrying this team, ushering this team into an era of sustained success. Something I talk about sustainable success. Sustained success they hadn't seen in franchise history. This team was racking up 100-point seasons, Northwest Division titles on a yearly, yearly basis because of Marcus Nazan, because of his leadership, because of his skill, because of his determination, because he was the best player in the NHL at one point in time. He was the freaking MVP of the league as voted on by his players. And people think they want to slander his name like that. I'm not here to take any Marcus Naslin slander. Marcus Naslin is one of the greatest Canucks. There's an absolute surefire reason why he has his number in the Raptors. That number 19 will hang there forever. There's a reason why nobody else will ever wear number 19. Because Marcus Naslin is one of the greatest Canucks who ever lived. And quite frankly, in my opinion, he's my favorite Canuck of all time. Love Henrik and Daniel Sedin. Love guys like Kessler, Luongo, Burroughs. Love guys like Trevor Linden, but they're not Marcus Naz because when I fell in love with this game, with this team, the main man was number 19, Nazi, my captain, forever my captain, Marcus Naslin. Um, and I don't understand why people slander him. He's a better player than Stan Smeal, a better player than Trevor Linden. He had more sustainable greatness than Pavel Bury. He didn't request a trade like Pavel Bury. He was a great soldier for this team. He was a leader. 
And you saw that with Henrik and Daniel Sedin when they grew into their roles. They had the same humility, same passion, same desire, same ability to give back to the community as Marcus Nazan did. My thing is, you saw Henrik and Daniel Sedin, but Marcus Nazan laid the groundwork for them. Marcus Nazan walked so Henrik and Daniel Sedin could run. It's as simple as that. And if you don't agree with me, you're a buster. You don't know what you're talking about. And I will gladly have you on my show and debate you as to why Marcus Nazan is one of the greatest Canucks of all time. If not top, to me, he's top three. Don't worry, after after this, this series is done, I'm going to give you my top list and list them all one, one to ten. And we're going to have a talk about it. Um, but yeah, Marcus Naslin, <clears throat> definitely. I don't understand the slander. I don't understand it. He was a preeminent goal scorer, a leader. Because he didn't have the team success in the playoffs, that's fine. But individually, can't be touched. Can't be touched, in my opinion. Um, Marcus Naslin is just one of the classiest individuals, class act, and the greatest one of the greatest Canucks in my personal opinion. So that is today's episode. Touched on what's going to go happen with Andre Kuzmenko, how that ties into Bruce Boudreau, Brock Besser. Touched on some former Canucks having a good time. And of course, talked about my childhood hero, my childhood icon, Marcus Nazan. Tomorrow, of course, our greatest Canucks series continues. We continue now moving from the late 90s into the 2000s and talk about some more West Coast Express members, potentially. And then as we move forward, we're just going to keep on with the good times rolling. It's going to be Thursday tomorrow. And then we'll have some more fun on that. And then it's Friday and the weekend. So, of course, guys, I want to thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, Locked On NHL. From the first round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss, Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Here are all the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast services. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.